Hello and welcome to another episode of Harney's Practically Speaking. I'm Rachel Graham. I'm a transactional partner based in our London office and today I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by my roommate and colleague Matthew Housen who's a senior associate in our private wealth team and an expert on Cayman and BVI private wealth matters. Hi Matthew. Hello Rachel. Thanks for joining. So today I thought we would digress a little bit away from economic substance and some of the other topics that we've been talking about and talk a little bit more about succession and succession planning. As you will very well know, BVI companies are used as holding vehicles for many different types of assets and are very popular in the private wealth world for holding things like real estate, planes, yachts, artwork, wine, antiquities, all sorts of other things. And I think you mentioned in one of your articles recently that it's actually the world's favourite wealth management zoo. Mm, I think so. <laughs> so I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about what happens or what one should do when the inevitable happens, which is when the owner or the ultimate beneficiary of those assets, which are being held through a BVI company, passes away. And I understand that there are all sorts of different issues. So hopefully we will be able to provide some ideas and solutions as to how to deal with them. Okay, well, let's start off by perhaps looking at an example, a fairly typical example of a, a situation where we have a UBO who is based perhaps in the Middle East, perhaps in somewhere like Saudi Arabia, and he through his planning processes has ended up with a number of BVI companies that hold his various assets whether it be a, a flat in London or, or a yacht or, or something else and what should happen or what does happen when he passes away and his heirs whether it's his children or other members of his family want to be in a position where they can take possession take ownership of the shares in the BVI company. Yes yeah, so on the death of someone who is holding um, BVI shares either in their their sole name or under an absolute beneficial ownership such as a bear trust or a nomineeship the common law world of which the BVI is a part applies different conflict of law rules and one of those the main one I suppose to consider is issues relating to transfer of title and because shares in BVI companies are considered situated or situs in BVI BVI law provides the relevant rules to decide the transfer of title and in common with other common law countries the BVI requires that a grant of probate be obtained in the BVI. And is, is that a grant of probate in respect of those shares? Is that the requirement? It's because it's a BVI asset, so you need a grant of probate that covers those shares that is recognised in the BVI. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you have to get a grant before the registered agent can transfer the shares into the names of the heirs. This allows the registered agent to feel comfortable that the persons they're transferring to, the persons they're accepting the instructions from, are validly appointed. To get a grant in BVI, the system has sort of diverged away from England. I mean, we've had 
our own system of probate now for around 60 years and it's more now similar to the Jamaican form. Essentially it's a paper application to the BVI High Court, the BVI Registry. There isn't any hearing before a judge but there are a package of affidavits that we would prepare mainly sworn by the administrator or by the executor depending on whether there's a will. So there might be an affidavit describing the circumstances of the death and the the situation of the, the deceased person. There will be an affidavit declaring in general terms the BVI assets of the deceased. And then there's an affidavit from a lawyer in the person's jurisdiction of domicile. So I mentioned those conflicts of law rules. I mentioned that the BVI has jurisdiction over questions of title, but the jurisdiction where the deceased died domiciled has jurisdiction over questions of succession and of entitlement to a grant. So in our example, we, we use Saudi. So that, yeah. would be, that, that would be a Saudi law question as to who was entitled to those shares as a matter of Saudi law under, under their succession rules. Yes, that's right. And that can be quite a, a fiddly question because, you know, in some countries, for example, they don't really have this concept of entitlement to a grant. So we will often get a bounce back from the, from the Saudi lawyer saying, well, I can tell you who's entitled to the shares. And we would say, well, you know, the BBI court is not actually that concerned with who is entitled to the shares per se. Once the grant is made to the applicant, then the BBI court trusts the applicant to then distribute the shares to the heirs according to the law of domicile. If he doesn't, if he applies them, if he distributes them wrongly, then a disappointed beneficiary can always come to the BBI court, which would in theory hear evidence on the law of domicile, on the succession law. That doesn't happen too often because it's such a clear-cut position. But in general, for a grant, that's not our concern. Our concern is who is entitled to a grant. And as I say, that can be quite unclear depending on the country that you're that you're coming from. And so we have to put all these different countries into a sort of BVI-shaped box. Right. So there's a difference. I suppose the, the distinction you're making is that it is between the person who is entitled to apply for the grant of probate and the person who is entitled to the asset yes. under, the, under the rules of succession of the home jurisdiction. And they, they may be different people. Yes. And some lawyers listening for example, from England may say, well, that's completely obvious. Other lawyers, perhaps a Russian that I know of, or or a Saudi lawyer, for example, they would say, well, what is this distinction? What is this person who is entitled to a grant who's not necessarily entitled to shares? I think in Russian law, for example, they say any beneficiary is able to go and transfer their own shares to themselves. Um, And they have a deed of inheritance in Russia rather than a grant. And they would, you know, they would take that deed of inheritance and transfer their own shares. So for example, for them, this, this explanation of getting a grant for someone who isn't necessarily entitled to shares may, be, may seem quite strange. Is and that's it, one of the questions we have to, to deal with. And, and work through. So, so for example, if, it, if, it were, if the home jurisdiction w- was the UK, then, as you said, I mean, UK lawyers or UK um, practitioners who are dealing with wills would would understand the nomenclature that you're using Mm. i mean obviously the bvi is um overseas territory of the uk does that make the application process in the bvi any easier any simpler well 
Yes, it does. And if you have a grant from the UK or from one of the overseas territories or crown dependencies, or bizarrely any Commonwealth country that still has the Queen as the head of state, then you can reseal grants from that country. You don't actually have to be from that country, but if you've got a grant from England, perhaps you have a separate house in England, so you want to get a grant there, then you can reseal it in the in the BVI, which is a simpler process than a full application. It is still a process. It's not a UK grant isn't immediately enforceable in the BVI, but it is a simpler process than a full application. I guess in some ways a, a UK grant is possibly a, a more familiar looking document to the the registrars in, in the BVI than perhaps, uh, you know, the deeds of inheritance that you were talking about before some of the other jurisdictions. That is correct. If the Saudi, for example, is still alive and they're thinking about estate succession planning, one way to simplify all this is to have a BVI will. And at least there, that during the testator's lifetime, that at least sort of explains these processes to them. So, so you can't use a BVI will to override your succession law of your domicile. So you couldn't use it to override French forced airship. You can't use it to override Saudi Sharia law, unless you know the family will agree to not to challenge it. But you can use it to have these discussions about the applicant, about the executor, during his lifetime. So yeah. it simplifies it. It makes it down to one person, the executor in the will, rather than not having a will and then perhaps having a massive family, all of whom are entitled to grow to a grant, and you'd have to select one and then all of the rest of them would have to sign consent documents notarizing them, apostilling them, etc. Right. So it's it, you know, the discussion about having a BVI will if somebody owns shares in a in, in a BVI company is is quite a sensible discussion to have. Not only because, you know, in the immediate aftermath of somebody passing away, it's not always something that somebody wants to talk about or family yeah. members want want to have these big discussions about appointing an executor or representative when under their own laws such a such a person isn't actually required so i guess it's one of those succession planning tools that people should think about as soon as they find themselves acquiring a bvi company as a holding vehicle for any of their assets just in terms of process how long does it normally take to obtain a bvi grant of probate once all the documents are together then you submit them in a package to the registry sounds like it can be a relatively convoluted process so are we talking about sort of two or three months or, or longer uh, probably longer i mean we can prepare the documents pretty quickly the clients it will obviously depend on how quickly they can all get together to have these things notarized and apostilled which can be quite technical and then is the that BBI... something they, is the notarizing and apostilling something that can happen in their home jurisdiction or, or presumably they don't have traveled to the BVI to get their, their documents sealed in a particular way. No, no, you know, you only, you don't ever have to actually visit the BVI. No, it would be in their home jurisdiction or sometimes in just an easier jurisdiction. So the rules, um, this is one of the many unwritten rules or unformal rules that the registry have. They say that affidavits, sworn in a commonwealth country need only be notarized whereas affidavits sworn in a non-commonwealth country need to be notarized and apostilled that's just something that there's quite a lot of these sort of rules which are not in the if you read the probate rules that it doesn't actually say that anywhere but it's just known among practitioners who actually work in the bbi and obviously we have a big team 
you know, that's why it's helpful to have a big team actually functioning in the BVI because they know these rules. Uh, so, absolutely. It's a question. Of, it's slightly a question of who you know as well as what you know, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, so they would notarize these affidavits. And then once it was once it's submitted, it will depend on the complexity of the application. And again, you know, that's why I would recommend a BVI will because the BVI registry, no matter where the, where the, the deceased is from, no matter how foreign or alien the the legal system there the bvi registry will understand a bvi will they know where to look for the executor they know which affidavits to check which points to check and in general we do just find through experience that things speed up so for an application with a bvi will i think the fastest we ever had a return from the registry was three weeks i don't promise that and usually that's two to three months usually right. Right. Without a BVI will and with no will at all, then you can be looking at five months at the moment. I was reading some of the background to this subject and I read something about an expedited probate that involves the court. How does that work? Is that an option for people who don't have a BVI will? Yes, it is. And it's an yes, for anyone who is frightened by these time scales, you know, speed is absolutely of the essence. And they need, you know, a grant much quicker than sort of several six months, say, time, then you can go directly to court. There is now a formal process in the rule set, uh, which came in a few years ago. There was an informal process before that. But it does require a hearing before a judge. So you are in the BVI, presumably. Yeah. 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 You are talking about instructing official, you know, counsel and the BVI and getting a court date. So obviously more expensive, but an option if speed is the, uh, is the key. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about a BVI will being a really good succession planning tool to avoid or expedite some of the processes in the BVI. Are there any other solutions that people could look to that would mean that on the death of a UBO, any BVI assets, shares in BVI companies can pass directly to beneficiaries? Yeah, so the key is, I think you need to get your assets out of your estate. So there are several ways that people think work, but they don't. And there are a couple of ways that do work. Ways that don't work, for example, are pre-signing a share transfer, but not dating it, putting it into a nomineeship or bear trust, the way, by the way, to tell a bear trust apart from a substantive trust in easy sort of language is to look at the length. So a bear trust is normally only a couple of pages long. It may still say declaration of trust on the top of it. But if it says the trustee must do whatever the beneficiary says with the shares um, and shall only follow the instructions of the beneficiary, then that doesn't avoid probate. That still enters the estate. It's still dealt with by domicile it's succession. Non, it's non-discretionary. Everything would rely on the beneficiary being alive, really. So yeah. at the time of death, the nominee ship effectively or the bear trust effectively collapses into the estate of the beneficiary, I imagine. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's, it's just as bad if you have a, a human nominee, a human trustee, and they die. Because again, you need probate in order to be able to transfer the assets to either the next nominee or back to the beneficiary. Yes, because there's no one for the beneficiary to direct. Yeah, yeah, until yes. you get a grant. So it's it's yes. uh, so that's not a way to avoid it. Ways to avoid it are if there's a couple. Um, a very simple way is a joint tenancy. So that's when you hold your shares jointly rather than say fifty percent each. You both own a hundred percent 
And then on the death of one of you, the shares don't enter your estate. The survivor receives them by right of survivorship. So you would just there send the death certificate to the registered agent and they would remove the name of the deceased. That takes me back to my uh, English law property courses at university I think when you're talking about joint tenants or tenants in common so we're talking about the former there aren't we the uh, as you say they jointly own the property rather than they own a part of the property yes exactly exactly and the other way is a substantive trust as opposed to a bear trust you know a substantive trust I suppose it's it's where a trustee has more power more discretion than a bear trust you know in the meaning of bear in the meaning of of naked a bear trustee has just legal title. They have no other powers with it. Whereas a substantive trust, generally they'll be much longer than a bear trust and the trustee will have powers. They don't have to follow the beneficiary's wishes. They they make decisions on their they own. They have some discretion, uh, discretions and, and duties of their, of their own effectively. Yes. So if you can understand by reading it that essentially the beneficiary has removed the assets from their ownership, from their control, they have given them to the trustee, then the assets are no longer in their estate if they die. So in that situation, you would have the trustee of the trust would be, for example, the registered owner of the shares in the BVI company. Now, I know the BVI has a rather special type of trust that is a kind of variation on that, a Vista trust. And in that situation, am am I right in understanding that the assets are actually held in a BVI company itself? And it's the director of the BVI company who then has the sole responsibility for controlling and managing those assets. Might that be a solution as well for an individual who wants to be able to do some succession planning for his assets? Yes, a Vista Trust is part of that always battle between a settler's wish to, to remove assets from his um, estate and therefore avoid probate, therefore avoid succession, but he still wants to maintain control during his lifetime. So a Vista Trust is a statutory answer to that. It's what we call a reserved powers trust, but it's in legislation. Every IFC has, has some sort of, of trust reserved powers uh, ability, but usually these are via bespoke drafting, whereas VISTA is, is an act, it stands for the Virgin Islands Special Trust Act, and it says that if your trust enters into the VISTA legislation, then the investment and management of the trust fund is delegated to the directors of the underlying BVI company, which can then hold other companies, other assets underneath that. It only governs the investment and the management of the trust fund and therefore the distributionary powers of the trust. So, you know, which beneficiary receives what are still held by the trustee. And that's important because, again, you need to still be able to show that you've removed the assets in some fundamental way from your control. But if in terms of, so for example, could, it, could the settlor be the director of the underlying BVI company within, within the trust, within Avista? Yes, they could. And that's, that's a pretty common way of doing things, yes. And what happens on death of the UBO? You're, you're in a situation where you know, there's no longer a director of your underlying BVI company. So there, there may no longer be someone who has sole control over the investment management. Can you, or can the settler, or can the UBO predict or require that a certain other person take over that position on on his death? 
And one of the fun things about BVI Trust regime is that it's so bespoke. Vista has built in different ways of dealing with this. It's called the Office of Director Rules. So you could have it in your trust deed that on the death of the settlor, then X person will be the next director. Or you could have it that the trustee shall follow the directions of X person as to who to appoint as the next director. Or some settlers say, I'm only concerned about it being Vista during my lifetime. After my death, you know, I'm not convinced that my children will be able to to manage the trust at all. So I'm going to say on my death, it should leave the Vista regime and the trustee should have full power over the investment and management. Oh, right. So it's a, a hugely flexible vehicle that yeah. could, could well be appropriate for, for some people. Yes, yes. Right. I think one last area as a corporate lawyer, I probably would like to just make people aware of is that typically these structures, BVI company holding vehicle structures, might have the same person as the sole shareholder and sole director of that company. And we've been talking about what happens from a shareholder perspective when that person passes away. Obviously, there's an implication at board level, at management of the BVI company level, if their sole director passes away and there is no longer a shareholder or shareholders in existence able to appoint a successor director. Now, BVI law, the BVI Business Companies Act has taken that issue into consideration and there are actually provisions where that individual who is sole director and sole shareholder of the company is able to nominate a person to step into their shoes as the reserve director in the event that the original director dies. So just from a practical perspective, there is a corporate solution there for that situation. Matthew, thank you very much for your time today. I think we've had a very interesting discussion and very interesting insight into the do's and don'ts of succession planning where there is a BVI company. But thank you very much for your time today and uh, I hope people have enjoyed listening. I do too.